Welcome to the Connected Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Dawson. I'm a professional psychic medium and mentor. In this show, I'll be sharing my personal experiences as a psychic medium and discussing my journey of mediumship development. But that's not all. I'll also be bringing in amazing guests to talk about fascinating topics like near-death experiences, spiritual awakening, astro traveling, encounters with beings from different dimensions, energy healing, and more. Together through open and honest conversations, we'll change the way we think and support one another. My hope is that these discussions will help you connect with your own spirit and feel seen and validated in your own unique experiences. So join me as we dive into inspiring conversations that push boundaries and encourage personal growth. Get ready to explore new perspectives and embrace the power of connection. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm really excited for today's guest to join us here and to share her story. Her name is Karen Francis McCarthy. She's an evidential psychic medium who is trained at the Arthur Finley College in England, and she is a certificate holder of the Spiritualist National Union. Karen also teaches at the Shift Network, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Center, the Edgar Casey Center, and One Spiritual Learning Alliance, as well as she offers a lot of private courses and mentoring. And she is also the best-selling author of Till Death Don't Us Part. Karen, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your voice with our listeners today. I'm delighted to be here. You have an incredible story and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your book. You have this beautiful memoir, Till Death Don't Us Part. I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about what inspired you to to share this story. If you could tell us a little bit about this, the, the book and what really inspired you to share this with others. Uh, so, well, you know, it had been a, a, a great experience at the time. Well, I wouldn't say at the time, it was just in the advent, right after my partner passed, when a lot of very unusual, it's very common, a lot of very, very unusual occurrences started happening and this sort of progressed into into the story. I had been thinking for a while I should do something with it. But, you know, when you're writing... I'd already written one book. I was actually writing my first book, which is part of the Northern Ireland peace process when my partner died very suddenly. And so that had to be finished and that went out. But I think it takes it takes a lot of time to. And I always say this to people who are very keen to let me start writing now. It's like, no, there needs to be a certain element of seasoning and reflection in order to be able to write. And so I had thought about it. I should write that story. And I did write some articles um, I wrote for Salon or for the Huffington Post about the story as we were going. But then sort of sitting down to write the book, um, I, ha- I had actually for a long time been focused on just trying to work. And I was doing my CSNUs at the Arthur Finley College, at the SNU in England. And so after I got back, I did three of those in mediumship, healing mediumship and public speaking. After I got those out of the way, I thought, oh, maybe... Do you know, it's time to actually start thinking about putting this story into a fuller form. And then my father passed away. And that sort of through then a whole year, you know, was disrupted because of that. So I eventually, just before the year before, in 2019, about a year after my father passed, decided, you know what, I'll sit down now. And sort of, I had to sort of experiment with the form. What's this going to look like? What's the form going to be? Because I'm a writer. So it wasn't just a, oh, let me write. Oh, on Monday, this happened, Tuesday, this happened. You know, that wasn't. So then it was a case of like, do I write nonfiction or fiction or memoir? What, you know, so a lot of it was trying to decide on that. And eventually, sort of just before 
but in 2019, I actually sat down, went, I was in New York, sat in with the writers group, which is, I encourage anyone to do if they're writing, because you'll get that sort of feedback and you can't get away with anything if you've got to read two pages every week. And so um, I did that for a year, got the thing out, sent it to Wycliffe. And then, of course, it gets published in the right three months into COVID, July 2020. Wow. Yeah. So I ended up having to record the audiobook myself. Well, I, they actually, the, the, the producers of the audiobooks had suggested, do the audiobook yourself because you've got an accent and it's a memoir, which is the form I've finally settled on. Um, so it'll sound weird if somebody else is reading it. So you should read it. And then what happens? The studio's closed. So I ended up having to, believe it or not, record the entire audiobook in the closet. <laughs> because it was the only place with dead enough air. You know, I used to work in television, so I knew how to sort of get that. It was the only place with dead enough air because you can't record where there's an echo and there was no studios. So that was our code. That was my first year of COVID. Wow. You know, so all of that went on quite busy. But the story is yeah the story of all of the sort of occurrences that started happening after my partner died he died very very suddenly and i was in virginia at the time because i was doing some interviews for my first book uh, about uh, which was part of the peace process and once he passed away i i had been a war correspondent i had been in iraq i'd been a journalist and you know while i'd had those visitations that many of us have as children I had absolutely zero interest in that. Once I reached my teens, forget about it. Who cares? Do you know? And so I got much more involved in sort of politics and whatnot. And so I was writing on that and quite, I, I was admittedly practicing Zen, but then Zen is non-theistic. So I had no, I didn't see any conflict there between skepticism and Zen, to be honest, you know? And so, but when he died, you know, all of those things like waking up in the middle of the night because somebody's sitting on the bed and, of course, there's nobody there and electronics turning on and off and there's nobody there. And, you, you know, the whole gamut of, of these things that I talked about in the book. And that sort of forced, pushed me back into all of the things that I had long since rejected from my younger years, you know, some of which I talk about in the book, you know haunted little weird things happening in the girl guy's house and whatnot but yeah I got sort of pushed back into that by virtue of all of the things going on because I had to go try to figure out what was going on what was turning the lights on what was moving the furniture was me was I losing my mind and imagining this you know and I mean there's odd I mean just hundreds of of these things happened and that and at the time oddly you say there's no there's no accidents, right? I was in Virginia, just off Virginia Beach, which which I discovered is kind of like the area twenty, the area fifty one of the afterlife, because I was there. Uh, the Monroe Institute is there, the University of Virginia is there. They have a division in perceptual studies. That's right there. The Edgar Casey International Headquarters are right there. There was a spiritualist church in Norfolk right there. I was sort of everywhere I went. I was just sort of like a ping, I was like the ball and a ping pong machine, you know, one of those things, getting bounced around to all of these things that I think had I been anywhere else, it wouldn't have been at my fingertips the way it was there. And so I was sort of going from one place to the next to the next, and somebody would refer me, just trying to figure out what on earth 
because I didn't feel like I was losing my mind, but I thought I must be because what the hell? Um, but I didn't feel like that. So I went searching for answers. And that, of course, then just, you know, made up that just sort of blew the doors off everything sort of to make up for the 30 years I'd been ignoring it, you know. And so what started happening was I started realizing that, you know, it, it's my partner largely. But then from there, and there, there is a scene in the book where the penny finally drops because so many things had happened and I was still going, could that have happened? How could I have imagined that? Like all sorts of things. And it finally, finally, the penny dropped. Um, and then with that, other people's relatives would show up and, you know, and and I would, you know, I would just be in these sort of what seemed to be very, very uncanny ways, very, very specific ways. And a friend of mine, a healer from the Edgar Casey Center, had seen some of this happening and said, like, you really should go out and work with this because it's helping so many people, you know. But I'm not, I'm not a proponent of just sort of put, you know, hang, putting on your hat, hanging out a shingle. I'm very much, as you know, I'm doing a doctorate now as well. I'm very much a proponent of education and training. Yeah. You know, I think there's a, re especially in this area, because it's so unregulated and there are so many, there's so much, and I'm coming up against this a lot on my doctorate. There's so many superstitions and preconceived notions that we've been dragging with us since Greek literature that people don't realize came from fiction in ancient Greece, and they cart them around as if they're some kind of enshrined truth without questioning where any of these beliefs come from. They do considerable amount of harm, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. And so I thought I'm not going out to interface with vulnerable people at the worst time of the, I mean, nobody comes to see a medium because all is well in their world. People sit in front of you because things are really, they're in a bad way. And I wanted to make sure that I had enough education, enough in, in from enough training to dispel any of those harmful myths, but also to do my own healing because, you know, hurt people hurt. And so we need to heal in order to be, make sure we're not dragging our stuff into somebody else's life when they're very vulnerable. So I spent quite a number of years working on all of that, which is quite a hefty workload. And when I came out the other end of that, then I started thinking, hmm, maybe I should write something a bit longer than just the feature articles I had been writing. Maybe I should try to, because everybody who heard bits of the story was like, you really should write about that. But it's very different writing about your own life than it is writing journalism or nonfiction. But so it took a bit of time, but I got to it in the end, I suppose. That's just incredible how, you know, you have these natural abilities when you're young. And like so many of us, when we become teens, we kind of push that to the side just so we can kind of cope and move forward with life because sometimes those sensitivities can be challenging to deal with. Or sometimes we just, we don't have room for it, but then something mm -hmm. unexpected you know, something so tragic is like what you went through really caused this awakening. And for somebody who's a journalist, you know, 
by nature, I would assume that there, there's a natural skepticism within you and you're wanting to do this research. For people that have experienced the loss of a loved one and they are having these unexplained supernormal experiences, where would you suggest that they start as far as exploring and challenging their beliefs and challenging these experiences so that they can find their own truth and their own understanding based on their experiences. I think, yeah, it's a very, to be very careful with that because you never know, I could say go down to a spiritualist church, but then that's going to depend on the spiritualist church, you know, and what people in there. I would say that first, anybody who is, who's just lost somebody who's bereaved, Find a good grief support group, first and foremost, aside from any of this, you know, find a good grief support group. And then, you know, if you can, the, the, the real helpful thing is to find a community of like minded people, which can be very challenging in this, because I'm sure, as you know, a lot of people who are grieving will come because this happened to me, too. I'll come along to somebody and say, oh, I think, you know, my husband or son or mother or whatever, is still, I'm sensing them around me. And then people, oh, it's all in your imagination. And it can be quite harmful to people who are grieving to be dismissed like that. So I would say, first off, be very discerning about who you talk to. So you don't have people sort of shooting down these beautiful and very healing and very real experiences. Spiritualist churches, I think, are generally a good place because of the tradition of spiritualism. But I think that there is a lot to be said for just having doing some very critical reading and when I mean critical reading I mean in the sense of very discerning reading so there are some marvelous books out there and I actually on my website have a page of recommended reading for anybody who's looking to do it I always recommend like my own book obviously but also uh, Professor Lou Legrand the, the late Professor Lou Legrand who actually is in my book because I met him when I was on my searching has written a beautiful book called Love Lives On and it is sort of a combination of dealing with grief, but also what he calls ex the extraordinary experiences. So I think it's a nice, simple place to start with that. And then if, if anybody who's more interested in exploring this, um, I would say maybe check out the recommended reading that I, I put it there. I put it up there to help people um, because you could, there's an awful lot of stuff out there is just terrible. One thing I would say to everybody is always, always, always remember, nobody knows the truth. Nobody knows the truth. I don't know the absolute truth. We know that, and I'm, I come from a Buddhist background, it, we cannot perceive an objective truth. It's not possible in our human form. All we perceive is the truth of something as we experience it, as we perceive it. And so everything everybody tells you is going to be colored by their culture, by their belief system, by their perception. So I think it's, that's the most fundamental thing to remember is that if somebody says something to you to remember, that's their opinion from their position. That is, there is, because I hear people saying, oh, somebody, my dad died and he can't go into the light. And I'm like, where do you get that from? Who told you that? Like, and they, People, you see, believe that mediums have a power greater than them, which is not true. And so if a medium says this, oh, then it must be true. Well, that's not the case. It's going to depend on how educated and well-trained is that medium. You know, so I'd say be 
the first thing to do is to trust your own loved one above all you know trust your own loved one but the love that you had will still be there and if anything i think probably the easiest way to recognize if there is an element of truth in something somebody's telling you is it is it healing and positive or is it upsetting and negative because you will never find anything upsetting and negative from the spirit world agreed right so if somebody says something that feels like it is healing for you or comforting for you there is you know 100 to 1 time, times that there is more truth in that there will never be truth in something distressing that somebody's telling you because that's not possible from the, from the spirit and it's not possible from the spirit world and what that is all those negative things like oh somebody's earthbound or they can't go into the light or they're lost or they're this or they're that or all of these sorts of things if you actually look at the origin of those beliefs, you will find that they're coming from Dante, they're coming from medieval fiction, they're coming from classical Greek poetry. None of these are coming from the spirit world. But, you know, we don't have an education system where, and, and people don't pay attention to this in our sort of, you know, normal everyday life to challenge these beliefs. So I would, if anybody is grieving, and I know coming up to the holidays, it gets even harder. If somebody says something to you that is not comforting and does not feel healing, reject it. Just reject it as right as a product of their own uninformed or unchallenged belief system. Your loved ones are only ever going to come in, to you with comfort and healing. And your loved ones are never lost you know, I mean, how, even if we think in terms of 21st century physics, which is very much in alignment with a lot of Buddhist philosophy, we know we've got to stop thinking that the afterlife has some kind of geographical location over there. And between here and there, there's all these thousands of lost souls. I mean, come on. We know that that is not the nature of reality. We know that there is what Meister Eckhart called only the abyss of divinity, and that we are all part of that, incarnate and discarnate. All we're doing is slipping out of a suit of bones. Yeah. You know, and so for anyone grieving, I would say that's the first place to start with your own loved one and trusting your own loved one. And then I would say very gently explore books. But if you get to a book and they say something to you that is not positive and uplifting and comforting, it is going to be a superstition and a perception. Put it down. It's the best thing I can say to anybody. Oh, what incredible, incredible advice. And everybody, I 100% agree with all of that. Out of the thousands of readings that I've done over the years, I've never had the spirit world bring through bad news. Um, ever come through, even if there was a manner of passing that was sudden, unexpected, or tragic, they're not in some kind of holding spot. They are not in despair. That is something that is left in the physical world, whatever that was. The soul is free, and the soul is, we have to think of it as this divine expression, and it's not so much contained to the physical mindset, because when we let go of that, we, we move back into our spiritual nature where we become one with all, but I believe the spirit world like you isn't a physical location. It is like this 
parallel existence that is just at a higher vibration, but it is free from a lot of the things that control us or negatively impact us, you know, outdated belief systems, health issues, whatever. It's all about healing. The spirit world is, is free. We become free. We move back into our natural state and the spirit world just doesn't have anything related to fear. It just, it's not possible. So I'm mm. so glad that you reiterated that because it's just, it's not. So when people get worried about having a mediumship reading or having signs from the other world, I go, wow, that's incredible because the whole intent and the purpose is about healing and, and comfort. And through the signs that you were receiving from your fiance, how did that, even though you have mediumistic abilities, how did that offer you comfort and support you in your grieving, Karen? Well, I think part of it is, and kind of just before I sort of just say that, I would just like to remind people also that when we die, we don't return anywhere. We're, we're already in the stream. The incarnate spirit is already in that stream of consciousness. The only difference is, is that we are, it's almost like somebody described it as we are the light. Somebody's put a lamp over our light bulb. You know, the bag of bones is the lamp that's over our light bulb. You know, the light bulb is still in the same place. We take the lamp off, the light bulb continues to exist. And if we think about it like that, it helps to normalize, I think, this idea that the spirit world is some other thing or somewhere else or on some other, you know, no, we are all, there is just the stream of consciousness. There is just the abyss of divinity. And we are we are in it already ourselves you know but we, we we hold on to this illusion that this is all real and i think part of of what's important to understand about the spirit world is that the reason why there is such a thing as mediumship because i believe everybody's capable of sensing the spirit world i don't believe that everyone is capable of accurately communicating with complete strangers for complete strangers on demand but certainly everybody is capable of connecting into that stream for the simple reason that we're already in it. Mm. And we just have to accept that. If we can just get our head around that, then everything is much more coherent and comprehensible, you know. Beautifully said. Um, so, so, so back to your question. The, when all of that was going on for me, I think what it did was it helped me I had already been researching between my 20 something years of Buddhist practice, and I'd already been researching a book on science and spirituality in Ireland with Irish scientists. And so, so I had done, I had really stuffed my head full of a lot of very 21st century thinking around the nature of reality and objective reality and whatnot. And so when all of these things were going on, it was like hugely supportive of this very expansive way of thinking you know which for me and my partner made a whole lot of sense because that was the nature of our relationship you know was to be very curious and very expansive and so that was very consistent with the way we were both were so i say to other people who are grieving also the nature of the communications or the sense of presence or what's going on is going to be consistent with the personality of your loved one like people think, oh, they've gone back into some kind of glorified form. No, they've continued more or less as they are. People continue, like I, I, if, I, if I could do anything, it would be to try to get people to stop thinking that there is a big line, live and dead, that there is a division 
there is a continuity. There's just a continuity. And the only thing that falls away is the physical form. And all of the trauma, not the trauma of dying, but the trauma of living, gets is healed gradually. We see this in mediumship all the time. It's you know, healed gradually over, over time. And so initially you're going to, and for who knows what time, I mean, time is a construct of the physical world, right? Um, that your loved one will be recognizable in every experience you have of them and should be highly recognizable if you sit in front of a medium. Yeah. Because they are, they will be the person they were. The, the difference is, is that they're in a situation where they're not weighed down by this, you know, where anything they're carrying within the spirit gradually can be healed because we know that there are very advanced healers in the spirit world. We know from channeling, for example, that there are very advanced healers in the spirit world. And we have seen, and I know I've seen, I'm sure you have too, when you have a client come this month and six months and a year, you can you can see the growth and healing that's happening within their loved one over that period of time, which I find hugely reassuring and very exciting. I'm so looking forward to it. You know, um, so, you know, I would just say the most important thing is to is to try as much as you can to recognize that existence is a continuity. There's not there's no such thing as how can there be such a thing as dead when we're still communicating with people? Yeah. Right. So the word dead, the the interpretation of it is inapplicable. So if that's if we're not ceasing to exist, then there is no death. So stop thinking about that and just we are a continuation. You know, Tiknak Khan, the Zen master Tiknak Khan, called his birthday his continuation day because he's like it just has his birth is just a continuation of where he'd been beforehand. Do you know what I mean? So I always consider death a continuation day as well. You know, because it's the continuation on. I think if we can start thinking in the normal um, the afterlife, then we can start seeing that we are existence, all beings, all existence is far greater and far more mysterious and far more exciting than this sort of shuffling around on our feet. Beautifully said. And I think that's something that I really resonated with when I became a spiritualist and, and of course, went into my spiritualist minister training is one of the principles, you know, there's continuous existence for the human soul. And so it's mm -hmm. not an end. It is that continuation on and can offer so, and does offer so much comfort and healing for people. And with that can help people find ways to communicate with their loved one but still carry on here in this physical existence absolutely and in your opinion karen how do you feel spirit communication people being able to communicate with their loved ones can help support them in their grief well i think for one thing is that we grieve we grieve for what we are we have lost and i feel that we do need to grieve for the physical absence but not for the their absence you know, and so I, I think that, you know, and Lou Legrand talks about this when he's talking about grief and the extraordinary encounters, knowing that you are never alone and knowing that your loved one continues to be 
step, you know, walking with you in just in a different form and knowing that you'll be in that form eventually again as well. Because we know people meet up because you, you, you go and you work with somebody and the mother, the father, the aunt, the nephew, the dog, everybody shows up, you know, that we know that we'll return to that form. And so it's really helpful to understand that this is a very temporary little trip around the sun. It's a very temporary way of being in the physical form. And like I said, we've been we've been in another form. We'll go back to that other form. The loved one is still in that form and still with us in that form. And so I think that knowing that we are not alone, knowing that they are still present, knowing that they can hear our thoughts, which can make some people very uneasy, but knowing that they can hear our thoughts, to me, is the greatest expression of unconditional love. You know, imagine all the things that you don't want anyone to ever know, and they even, they know them. And they're still here. I mean, what greater expression of unconditional love could there could there be? And so I think that the extraordinary encounters and having a, a, lot, a lot of the problem people is I'm not getting any extraordinary encounters. And it could be because they're just looking or they've read a book and they're supposed to have this list of 12 signs and they're not seeing them. Like I said, it's to trust your loved one is going to be communicating with them in whatever way you need their own unique way of communicating will continue i mean your husband doesn't communicate the same way as your neighbor's husband right even now so why would that be the case afterwards but to just sort of suspend any disbelief or uh, and just trust them and trust their presence and trust that that they continue to walk with you and you will be reunited with them in the same form at a later date i think that a lot of our grief is focused on what we have lost and our sense of aloneness. And once we realize that their presence is showing us that we haven't lost anything and we most definitely are not alone, I find now that my, me and my partner are closer and have been closer now than we were ever been when we were separated by a bunch of atoms, you know, and skin and bones. And so there is an opportunity for a level of intimacy after one is discarnate that was not possible in in physical form which is very exciting when you think what's going to be like when i'm discarnate and so i would say just you know again and i've said this a few times just trust your loved one is present with you and your trust one your loved one unconditionally loves you and will walk with you and knowing that they can hear your thoughts you can speak to them you don't have to come ask a medium a question. Go ask your loved one the question and ask them to show you an answer and they will. And I think that's a beautiful proof of the fact that they will do whatever they have to do to let you let you know that they're still present. And, you know, right there, that really eases the pain of two of the major aspects of, of grief, you know, that sense of loss, being alone and that sense of loss not alone and you didn't lose anything really beautifully said and what a beautiful way you've expressed it too because we do focus on the physical absence mm. of their presence but when we can be open and to embrace these truths and it's my truth because I've experienced it mm. and not just on other people's experiences but even if people are maybe a little bit skeptical about that 
it's certainly not going to hurt you to be open and explore it and see what comes from it. But you've certainly mm -hmm. given people a lot to think about and information that's really useful and helping support them in their grief. Karen, mm -hmm. can you tell people a little bit about where they can connect with you, how they can find you? Yes, yeah, so my website, karenfrancismccarthy.com is there. And I would, just one thing for anybody, this is not an unabashed plug, but for anybody who really is struggling to try to understand how their loved one is communicating with them, I did actually create a little four-week course that answers a lot of questions, that discusses, because everybody, you know, common issues that includes some practices to help develop sensitivity and some practice to start helping recognize signs and whatnot. So that's there on my website as well. Um, that's really, it's not for mediums at all. It's just for the, the ordinary person who's bereaved and wants to understand more out, without the myth and superstition. So I designed that for there. So that's there if they would like to go there. Um, but I also do have um, a free community area with lots of free resources lots of talks, lots of guided practices that they can do. Uh, so and you can just pop along and join that. And like I said, it's all free. Lots of resources there to try to offer credible practices and teachings that to, to help people on, on their little point of exploration. And I, and I would say to people, just really, you know, be excited. This is a new phase in your relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, be excited to discover it with your with your loved one, whoever your loved one is. You know, be excited. This is a whole new adventure. All those people are complaining about having to sit in on Saturday night and watch the game. Now you have a whole new level of excitement to explore. You know, so I think if we start thinking about it in those terms, I know people are like, "What do you mean excited? Sort of losing the will to live?" You know, and it's like, no, you've only got a little bit of time left doesn't matter what age you are it's very fine like enjoy it enjoy and enjoy it with your partner enjoy it with your loved one absolutely you know? so there's lots and lots of sorry there's lots of that sort of stuff on my website to try to help people to reframe a lot and of course stuff about my own sessions and courses as well but i do think that's coming up to the holidays i think that sort of content can be quite supportive i mean we all know how hard the holidays are can be anyway yeah but they just multiplied multiplied when you're grieving so i think that some of these resources should help people get through the get through the, the holiday season beautiful everybody karen's contact information you can find it in the show notes go follow her go subscribe to her newsletter check out her stuff karen thank you so much for being on the show you have just given us such a really fresh perspective. And I want to say fresh because a lot of the thoughts you're saying or sharing and the information you're conveying is just in a way that it is really refreshing. And I love it. Oh, it's, good. it's normalizing the conversation about life after life. And mm. I love that it resonates so deeply with me and I know it will with my listeners as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Connected Spirit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed diving into this beautiful conversation. And if you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps me reach more people who can benefit from these conversations. Remember, you're not alone in your spiritual journey. So stay connected with me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. My handle is at Medium Courtney Dawson. 
You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter, The Connected Spirit, and the link is in the show notes. Keep exploring, keep growing, and always remember that there's a greater purpose guiding you on this incredible journey. Until next time, stay connected and embrace the power of your spirit.